Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh, clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. Uh, I want to wish everybody a very happy Easter weekend because we're recording this on Easter weekend, but it will be over by the time this airs. But this will probably be a little bit shorter of an episode. Uh, It's late Sunday night. We've had a long Easter weekend with friends and family. It's been a great weekend, and we are ready to get back in the turkey woods and start enjoying some of God's creation again. But we have had a very eventful week or so of turkey hunting. So today it's just going to be me and Jacob. Uh, we haven't done an episode, just the two of us, in probably a, a little over a month now. So we're just going to kind of do a season recap and what we've learned so far and tell you all some of these crazy turkey hunting stories that we've racked up over the last week or two. So Jacob, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Uh, just make sure I got everything packed up for tomorrow. I'm driving out to uh, Syracuse, New York. Uh, so I got a long haul, but uh, other than that, man, it's doing great. It was great seeing the family. Uh, was able to make it back in town from uh, you know Southern Florida uh, after being down there for a little while. And it's good to be. It was good to be back home, uh, getting a little hunting time with you, and also some solo hunting. Uh, again, we'll uh, talk about that in just a moment. But other than that, man, it's been great. Again, great seeing the family, kind of you know resting for a little bit before I'm back on the road again. I hear that, dude. Yeah, it's been a pretty good week, and for all the listeners who haven't. Uh, been following on our social media platforms, uh, Facebook and Instagram. If you don't know, I had some luck last week, baby. I finally got the monkey off my back and shot a turkey. Oh, yeah. And I will say also, that turkey tastes delicious. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I really, really enjoyed that. And again, we'll kind of go into that a little bit more. But uh, kind of like Andrew said, you know, we're trying to do a little recap uh, from our season so far. I know it's been a pretty hectic one, pretty crazy. Uh, like myself, you know, I've been traveling a lot. Really haven't been able to hunt much at all uh, this year. I think I've only hunted three times uh, this season. But uh, they've been pretty, I mean, pretty, I guess you say memorable so far. Um, yeah. And, again, we'll, we'll kinda, we can kind of uh, start off a little bit about, you know, what we did this last couple weeks. And, uh, Andrew, how about you kind of take it off? Because I think you kind of started off uh, – you know kind of strong and then we'll kind of go into what i did in southern florida yeah yeah so season started out great man it's been a great season so far hearing a lot of gobbles here in central alabama uh pretty much every time i've gone out i've been on turkeys and i've just been coming close a whole bunch i think we went over it in a past episode uh the opening day was great shot at one uh then missed him called in another one and it didn't work out and then couple hunts after that we just had birds all over us we talked about that with robert a little bit um after we talked to robert i started uh formulating a plan for some new parcels that i wanted to hit that i've been looking at for a long long time but just haven't had a chance to go finally hunt so uh let's see i guess we recorded with robert last sunday and then i guess monday i went and killed that bird is that right? I think it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday because that's when I went out to uh, hunt in Everglades. Yeah, day. yeah, okay, yeah, I got you, yeah. So, 
Yeah, Jacob, why don't you go ahead and start by telling us about your uh, Everglades fiasco, and then I'll get into uh, to my hunt. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right, guys, so, if again, if you've been, you know, keeping up with us on social media, uh, we both put up on our Instagram story that we had, kind of something cool happening, um, where I had the opportunity uh, to do a, kind of like, a, you know, DIY, public land, Osceola hunt in southern Florida. Uh, just because of the way my work schedule worked out, I, I thought I could make it happen, and it turns out it did. Uh, so I, I was in North Carolina uh, a couple episodes back, guys, and was able to uh, come home uh, for a day or two to kind of recoup and uh, also get my shotgun and, uh, you know, my rubber boots. And anyways, from there, drove down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and was down there on business, um, meeting with a couple of our manufacturers, and, you know, met with them on Monday uh, with one manufacturer and, you know, had a good time. We were supposed to go meet Tuesday. Well, we kind of called it off cause, uh, you know, we pretty much covered everything we need to cover with the client. Well, so my whole day Tuesday was free. So I called Andrew, uh, telling him I was going to go on a, you know, a DIY, you know, Pokemon hunt. And, uh, he was very jealous when I got on the phone with him, but, uh, <laughs> it, and I, I, I got in contact with a couple of our, uh, couple of our, uh, buddies and uh one of them put me in uh touch with a game warden and also now a listener uh uh that's a game one down there in southern florida and he was able to give me some good pointers on you know what place to hit uh, what public lands to hit and uh you know the do's and don'ts and you know everything to kind of know about that area and kind of told me what to look for and this and that so you know i bought my permit bought my license all that stuff got it all situated and he was went to bed super super excited. Uh, you know, woke up really early. Uh, also, I've kind of went over or kind of uh, flew past uh, on Monday after I got doing my client uh, around one or two o'clock. I was able to actually drive out, come home, change into you know some scouting gear, and go drive out to this uh, natural preserve, which I'll name is this Big Cypress, uh, and drove out there. Uh, which was quite interesting because I called Andrew while I was going out there. I did not realize the state of Florida, at least for the most part, on all the major interstates and highways have about 10-foot-high chain-link fence. Uh, so driving out there, I was kind of worried about how I was going to access some of these places. I've been looking at maps, and turns out I was able to find some hiking uh, gates to get out there, which is kind of weird how you have to walk through a gate to get out there on public land. This is kind of weird, but uh, I don't mean like a little, like, you know, four-wheeler gate. I'm talking like a 10-foot-tall gate to be able to go out there. It's, it's a really weird feeling. Kind of walking up to it makes you think you're walking to Jurassic Park. But uh, <laughs> just missing the music, I guess. Yeah. But uh, anyways, so I went out there, went scouting Monday afternoon, and was very much out of my element. Again, coming from central Alabama, I'm used to rolling hills, mix of pines, hardwoods, you know, this and that. You know, kind of what's the same throughout the southeast. Well, southern Florida, it's so flat. It looks like you're in Jurassic uh, park as in like the terrain everything you're saying palm meadows i'm not used to that you know saw uh saw grass flats i mean it's just a really weird feeling a bunch of cypress and it's just you know you misjudge how far things are are from you uh i can see how some get very turned around out there i'm not gonna lie thank god i had onyx because uh without that uh it would have been probably a little sketchy going to some uh, cypress forest if you walk in there everything's about you know head high get in there about 100 yards you turn around and it's kind of hard to tell what direction you walked in from but again with my map i was able to you know get in get out and kind of you know find some good locations well wasn't able to really locate uh, much sign while i was in there that afternoon hike back out 
go home, get all my stuff touched, weighted, permits, license, all that. So Tuesday morning comes around, and that's when Andrew, you know, you were going to go out and go hunt uh, some public land, and I was going to go out there and go hunt, and we did the whole Florida versus Alabama, you know, see so if you could come out on top, hunt. Well, I won. You know, the, okay, <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> Anyways, so, um, you know, get that morning, and it's about a, it's about a, 80 to 90 miles from my hotel of where I was hunting. So, you know, I had a, about an hour and a half drive. So I woke up that morning real early, drove out there. Well, had a little issues uh, with some stuff on the way out there. So I was able to kind of get out a little bit late. I was got out pretty much to uh, where I was parking and walking in that right as sun was coming up, unfortunately. So, you know, I kind of decided I was just going to kind of ease on in there and kind of, you know, slip, slip quietly back in a couple of these islands and kind of just, you know, play it soft and play it quiet. Well, you know, park my car, get in a company car, not my trucks, kind of awkward going hunting in that. Get all my gear out, and I walk up to uh, the check-in station. You got to check in, uh, fill out this little form, put it in the drop box, walk back. You go through this one gate, and the second you walk through this gate, you're in a freaking jungle. I mean, literally, you walk in there, I'm like, yep, I can see there being some panthers in here. And actually, funny story, while I was down there, I actually found a panther crossing sign next to this preserve which kind of blew me away it's kind of funny uh kind of running joke in alabama everyone sees black panthers and uh it's kind of cool to actually see a sign for once in don't the, open that of, can of worms yeah exactly <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll kind of go we'll kind of skip over that but uh <laughs> people be fighting <laughs> yeah for sure but uh you know it, it was just really weird just walking there i mean you're like in the jungle i mean Literally, if you've ever seen any of the Jurassic Park movies, that's that's what it was like. I mean, it was like the first movie. Like, I was walking to a Philosopher Rapture enclosure. Um, and, you know, kind of went through that, and then you come up to another gate. There's another fence inside this fence. Uh, and you had to go through this little like, gated hallway, which we'll post pictures up on, on the uh, Facebook page, kind of give you an idea of it. It was really weird. But anyways, kind of get through that. Then all of a sudden, I get a phone call. And I look down, it's my regional manager. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I answer it, talk to him, let him know, uh, you know, the whole situation. Uh, you know, I had a, pretty much a free day. And I was just going to kind of, you know, work from home. So, uh, <laughs> quote unquote. You know yeah, 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 always, always working from home. Uh, good thing about my job, I can do that. But, uh, anyways, he recommended I needed to uh, contact another manufacturer I was supposed to meet with on that Wednesday, the following day, and see if maybe we can move up the meeting. So, Reluctantly, I'm like, okay, call her, and uh, of course she doesn't answer. And I decide that maybe it's not the best thing to get, you know, a couple miles in the swamp and then have a client call me saying she wants to meet in an hour, hour and a half, and all I'm wearing is camo. I don't have my business attire with me. So I decide I drove all the way out here, bought my permit, license, all that. I'm at least going to go walk out here to this first island and see what I can find. I'll walk out there, and, you know, it's a total bust, but I'm not going to lie. So, Andrew, if any of you are on social media, you might have saw this. There was a ginormous eastern diamondback rattlesnake that was spotted in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay? You know, north central Florida. I mean, giant snake. Huge snake in this person's backyard. Well, Andrew tags me that the night before. It has me. You know, I don't mind snakes. I'll, you know, don't mind snakes at all. But, you know, a big old rattlesnake, that, that'll throw me off. So, I'm down there walking through palmettos and everything. Picturing this giant snake, so I'm watching my feet while walking. Also, watch out for Burmese pythons, which never thought I'd say that. And uh, anyways, it, it was it was a blast, but you know, wasn't able to locate any birds. And finally, I decided to head back. 
and uh, head back towards the hotel because uh, I had such a long drive, and I really didn't want to get caught out there, quote unquote, you know, with my pants down, and uh, you know, have to meet a client in camouflage. I don't think that would fly very well. But uh, anyways, made it back to the hotel by about ten o'clock, and actually the second I walk into my hotel room, she calls me and it's like, yeah, let's meet at eleven. So thankfully I drove back in time because uh, I was able to make that work. But again, guys, my uh, Southern Florida Osceola public land hunt was a bust. But but good thing is now, uh, you know, I have my license, which is good for a year. So uh, or my permit, should I say? So, you know, we go down for our early season Osceola hunt, which we are planning on doing next year. It will still be good. So it'll save me a little bit of money. But it definitely gave me a a high level of respect for anyone that hunts down there in that terrain. Because I will say I was very much out of my element. And it felt really weird. I mean, I've never been in an area that was that, I guess, that strange to hunt in. I'm not, we've been hunting, you know, we've hunted in the Rocky Mountains. And I've hunted all across southeast and midwest. And, I've never had that same feeling where I'm like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing out here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was just a weird, weird feeling. And again, you don't really understand it till you experience And any guys out there that's either hunted that or lives in that part of the country, you know, you can get, attest to that. And, you know, just the, the difficult uh, aspect of hunting down there. I mean, everything's so flat, thick, nasty terrain. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And, you know, definitely it's a challenge. I definitely can see how a lot of people, you know, kind of look to that as being, you know, one of those hunts that's kind of high up on the list to get one of those Osceola turkeys because, I mean, it's difficult, man. They don't make it easy for you. So, yeah, yeah. Especially, especially on public land, should I say. Yeah. No doubt, dude. Well, my hunt was very different. So, I, I went to a parcel that's roughly 40 minutes from where I live. Uh, it's kind of a new place. I've drove through it, and I've hiked on it one time in the summer. And... I really liked what I saw, uh, a lot of hardwoods, and I, I really like hunting in hardwoods because where I come from, it's 90% planted pines, just rows of pines, <clears throat> excuse me, rows of pines with just nothing underneath them, you know, it's just wide open, and it, it's, I don't know, I just get tired of it. So I was pretty excited about being able to hunt this new place, and I figured there'd be some birds in it just because of how the terrain was and the habitat was great. And I'd scouted there in February and got on a goblin bird in late February uh, while I was scouting. So my hopes were high. So I, I kind of devised this plan that I'm going to park on the road and I'm going to walk way back into a green field that's way far back down this uh, closed trail. So I, I get there before daylight. I start hiking in and uh, I get all the way back. I, it was on the, the quick plug for our instagram uh if y'all are on instagram make sure you follow us because whenever me or jacob do a hunt we uh basically kind of live stream the hunt on our story uh so we'll give you updates all day what's going on something cool that we find so all day that day i was doing uh instagram stories about how my hunt was going and anybody who who watched that story probably laughed at me because i got way back in there man and i was excited and then I get back to my spot, and there's a there's a daggum backhoe on that field. They were, they were working on something. I don't know what they were working on. So that plan was ruined and basically shaved off, you know, all that hiking and basically an hour of my morning. The first hour of the morning was a, a total bust. So at this point, it's like 7.30, and I'm not even in a spot where I can hunt turkeys yet. So I'm like, well, this is not good. I get a hop on Onyx. 
and uh, they have that feature where it's like a it's a satellite image, but you can overlay a, the topography lines on it. So I'm looking at that, and I can see that there's these hardwood bottoms, and I can see these roads wrapping through these pines. And basically my plan at this point is to just follow that road, and it kind of goes on a bench above this hardwood bottom. And I was going to sneak down that road and slip into that bottom and just call down it and see what happened. So I go there, uh, no turkeys. I did find an awesome buck bed, though, which I should have taken a video of, but I did not. But I, I got a feeling I'll be back there again, so I'll have to check that out and uh, put it on the story or maybe make a short video like I did with the uh, with the the video about the pelvic girdle. Uh, Y'all received that pretty well. We got a lot of good feedback on that. ton of views, more than we expected. So we're going to probably do more of that in the future. So y'all watch out for that. But long story short, nothing in that bottom. So then I start moving down to this bigger hardwood bottom with a creek in it that runs and hits a bigger creek. So I'm like, okay, they got to be in there. Because at this point, I still haven't even seen a turkey track. I start working down to this bottom, and I get down in there, and I'm, I'm crossing the creek, and immediately there's just turkey sign everywhere. Scratchings all over the place. I, I found some feathers, a little bit of crap, and they're all in this bottom. Okay, so I'm crossing this creek, and I look down, and there's an arrowhead in the creek that I that I saw, an old Indian flint arrowhead. So I was like, okay, cool. Maybe some good luck coming my way. So I, I cross the creek, get up on the opposite hillside, which is pretty open, but it's kind of rolling. So it sets up great for turkey hunting because I can get on one of those rolls and sit there and call. And if one comes to me, he won't be able to find that hen until he's within range, which I talked to Scott Ellis a while back. He did one of our strut reports and we talked on the phone for a long time. And that's kind of what uh, he told me. He's like, always hide the hen, always get in an area where by the time he can see the hen, it's too late. And that's exactly what I did. I get sat down. I'm there for maybe, gosh, I don't know, maybe like two minutes. And then a bird just starts hammering on the hill I came from. And uh, he wasn't calling right where I was from the road, but he was on another hillside over there. And he's kind of got the high ground, and those pines over there are pretty open, and I'm in an open hardwood bottom, so I'm like, well, you know, it's a, by this time it's about 7.50-ish, 8 o'clock. And so I'm like, you know what, um, I got a lot of day in front of me. Uh, I can still hunt for most of, the, most of today, so I'm just going to kind of hold off, and I'm going to call real loud on my pot call, and maybe he'll hear me and come down this way. And if he doesn't come down this way, maybe he'll swing back by around 11 o'clock once whatever hen he does gobble up leaves him. So I, I start calling to him loud, and he he does answer me, so I'm like, okay, maybe it's game on, we'll see. And uh, I call a little bit more, and then two birds gobble right up the valley from me. But right when they had gobbled, there were some songbirds that fired up, and uh, the wind kicked up a little bit, so I could hardly even tell it was a gobble. And, but I just kind of had a feeling. And so I'm sitting here waiting, and then I hear footsteps. I'm like, oh, my God, it's on. I'm actually about to kill a turkey. I actually found a turkey that's dumber than I am. <laughs> so I'm sitting here, gun ready, watching down this bottom, and then I hear it coming around the hill. I'm like, oh, here he comes. It's about to be over. And a coon walks around the side of the hill. I'm like, golly, I just wasted 15 minutes of my time waiting on this thing. So I'm getting discouraged. I just watch this coon go by, and I'm just about to get up, and then I hear more footsteps coming. Uh, 
So I get the gun up ready and I look over there and then sure enough, man, I, I see a white head wrap around the side of the hill and I see two white heads actually. I called up two of them and uh, he comes wrapping around the hill and honestly, I didn't really see the turkey that well. I saw his head. I knew it was a gobbler uh, and he kind of comes close to me. When I first see him, he's at 40 yards and I just let him work up towards me because I'm not pointed right at him. Uh, he gets behind a tree and I adjust and he steps out at 25 yards and I let him have it. Uh, shot him 25 yards with a daggum apex number 7.5 shot <laughs> TSS. So yeah, it was, uh, he was graveyard dead as my friend Wayne would say. So I was stoked, man. He was, he wasn't a huge bird. He was what you call a super Jake or a boss Jake. Uh, he's an early hatch from last year. He, his spurs were just starting to get sharp. He had about a five-inch beard, a full fan, and he gobbled like a man. But I don't care about the size of him, dude. I'm just excited to call him in, and most of all, I'm just excited to eat him. So I was very, very happy with that turkey. And you were pretty excited to eat him, too. You you love that turkey. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That was the first time I've ever had wild turkey. Again, I've never been success or haven't been successful yet uh, while turkey hunting, uh, and I've never had the chance to eat any wild turkey. But man, that was stupid good, man. I was, I was, I, mean, I wasn't even to be honest that hungry, but I freaking tore down on some of that fried turkey, man. <laughs> it was impressive. Again, Andrew can cook, guys. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it acts like you know, it acts like he's dumb as a bag of rocks, but dude can cook. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotta eat, man gotta eat yeah maybe if i couldn't cook so good i wouldn't have this belly on me but (laughs) that that or miss tiffany i don't know man yeah dude i don't know my man my girlfriend tiffany likes to bake so she's not helping my whole beer belly situation man she can make a she can make a mean cake (laughs) (laughs) now i was gonna say the best shape you're normally in is during turkey season man yeah up and down those hills man you get you get probably the best shape far throughout the year yeah that that, no doubt the last three days of last week i put in 14 miles uh but moving on from that day uh the day after that i hunted the parcel right next to my house kind of went out that morning to try out the spot i had scouted uh got on a couple goblin turkeys and that was an interesting morning because i got on one turkey who was just gobbling his absolute brains out and i thought that he was gonna he's basically in a draw on the side of this hill and I thought he was going to pitch down and walk up the hill to me because I had the high ground on him. And it seems like every time I'm downhill, they won't come downhill, but they'll come uphill. So I thought I had him in the bag. Of course, I was wrong, like always. And then, so I, I make a move on him because he pitches down and he goes right down to the bottom next to the creek. And he starts strutting and gobbling down there. He's responding to everything. I got a video up on the uh, Instagram and Facebook where I cluck twice and he just hammers it. And I wish I'd gotten this on video, but I scratched, I mean, I even scratched in the leaves and just went on the mouth call and he hammered it. He did, he double gobbled at it. So he was fired up, but he would not cross that creek. So my plan was to basically walk parallel to the creek down like a hundred yards, cross the creek and get on the same side of the creek as him and call to him. And I figured he'd come to me. Well, that was a good plan, except I should have I should have backed up and tried to call him across the creek and make it sound like I was leaving because he heard me walking and he was convinced I was a real hen. And so he basically followed me down the side of the creek. 
and I wasn't calling or anything. He just heard me walking, and he paralleled me, which I, I didn't know. So then I, I cross the creek, and as soon as I get on the other side of the creek, man, I, I get 10 steps on the other side of the creek, and he gobbles like 50 yards from me, and I just hit the dirt. And so I'm sitting against a small tree and all these vines, and around the creek it's real viney and thick, and there's a lot of briars. So I just kind of set up against this little this little tree, and I'm going to try and call him into the thicket. So I'm like, okay, this isn't that bad. He can't see me, so he's going to have to come in here and find me. And as soon as he gets in here, he's dead because he's already in gun range. I just can't see him. And uh, I cluck and purr and everything, and I'm scratching in the leaves, but I'm not yelping at him. I'm kind of ignoring him. Uh, he's just gobbling his absolute head off. Like every 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 breath, he's gobbling. And he he just will not budge from the spot that he's in. So I, I kind of start cupping my hand and throwing calls to the left. He's on my right. So I start cupping my hand and throwing calls over there. And it works. And he, he gets basically from my right to right in front of me. And at this point, he's like 45 yards in front of me. He's well within range of my gun. So, uh, But then again, there's, there's still a brush pile. There's a lot of deadfall down here, a lot of root balls sticking up. And he's basically behind a root ball and with a bunch of vines growing off of it. And I just can't get a clear shot through there. And this goes on for a long time. I mean, probably 30 minutes. And he he's gobbled 20 times right in my face. I've, I've never had a hunt like that where I've had a bird gobble so many times so close to me. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm just going gonna, gonna to have to do something. So I take my vest off and I, I belly crawl to the right from where he just was. And I'm going to swing around and get to where he was just strutting, and I'm going to call from there. And all I need him to do is walk out from behind that, that little root ball, and he's dead. So I crawl over there, and I get set up on a tree. And I, I cluck again, and I scratch in the leaves, and he hammers it. And right after he hammers it, I start hearing clucks and yelps in between me and that bird. And a daggum hen comes down off of the, off the, uh, off the hill, and... Uh, works her way over to him and she will not answer me at all so now at this point I'm yelping and I'm trying to get this hen's attention and she won't come to me she won't respond to me he gobbles at me one more time and I just sit there and wait and nothing happens and they just fade into oblivion like turkeys do never saw them again and then I had to go on a 30 minute scavenger hunt for my vest because I couldn't find it (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah uh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I mean, it sounds like an awesome hunt. I, mean, I know we talked earlier in the week about that, and you know, that's a crazy experience. You know, having a bird that hot right there in front of you, and you know, you just can't close a deal. I'm like, oh, I do. I've gotten to the point where I legit try not to think like, oh, I got this in the bag, because every time I think I've got it in the bag, like, oh, this bird's dead. It, it doesn't happen. Like yeah. something happens. I mean, so that that's one of those things I'm trying to like mentally forget about like don't think about oh yeah this bird's already dead and I already think about like who I'm going to call afterwards and, yeah. and literally try to live in the moment and try to you know you know get that bird shot don't think that oh you already have it shot when it's still out there goblin's head on yeah but, man. Uh, and it, not just yeah. that but like not just turkeys outsmarting you but I'll have a problem with 
I wouldn't call it necessarily target panic, but just like panic in the moment where I'm trying to figure out what I should do. And this happens with deer and turkey with me. Like I've had a ton of deer where as soon as that deer walks out, I'm like, that thing's dead. And then I'll have other times where like, God, I hope I kill this thing. And every time I'm like, God, I hope I kill this thing. I never kill it. But it's like, I'll have something walk out. And as soon as it walks out, I'm like, that thing's, that thing's done. Shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Yeah. But this was just one of those times, man. It was, it was unsuccessful, but it was probably my most exciting turkey hunt ever. I mean, that was just an absolute blast having that thing just screaming in my face for 30 minutes. I mean, I've never had, like I said, I've never had a turkey gobble that many times on the ground. He gobbled all of 40 times, probably more, while he was on the ground. 20 of those were right in front of me, right in my face. I just couldn't quite get a shot, couldn't quite see him. But, you know, it's a learning experience, and now I know kind of maybe what they do often in that area. So next time I go in there, I might just set up right where he pitched down to or in the same general area. So hopefully it goes well. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, kind of talk a little bit more about just having that bird right in your, you know, pretty much in your face gobbling his head off. I mean, you know, I know we're talking turkey hunting right now because turkey season, but that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people have that aspiration and have that uh, passion for elk hunting because just imagine having, you know, a 360-inch bull elk, you know, within 50 yards of you just bugling his head off and you can't see him because it's so thick. You know, you're in oh, yeah. you know, northern Colorado and you just can't get it done. I mean, that's one reason I, I can't wait for us to go do that trip, you know, hopefully in 2019. And, yeah, that's something that, is just crazy and that's one thing that you kind of get especially in the south you know turkeys down here are like the elk uh, for guys out west i mean it we kind of get that same kind of aspect you know having that bird you know being super vocal right there in front of you trying to close the deal seal the deal and i mean it's kind of the same aspect for guys out there you know chasing bull elk you know in september uh but hopefully you know we'll be able to join those guys in a in a year or so but uh yeah man that's that's awesome i mean kind of reminds me a little bit about you know our hunt last year where we had those uh three birds or i guess it was eight birds total goblin but had those uh had that one ugly bird work up to us and that other bird i missed uh while we we're sitting there off that uh, one piece of parcel yeah public land but uh i mean that's that's a blast dude i mean i know it's freaking crazy exciting but uh, now let's talk a little bit about the hunt when i was actually able to come back up from uh florida to be able to hunt with you uh this i guess this uh thursday yeah so I, man i was glad to hunt with you finally this year i didn't know if we'd we'd pull off a hunt together but we got it and I was just hoping that we would go out and hear some gobbles just because I knew it would probably be one of your only turkey hunts. I was like, man, I hope we, we get out there and have a great day. So we go back to the same area that I killed my bird on earlier that week because uh, I knew there was still a bunch of birds in there that were still alive, and I heard multiple gobbles and saw several other birds while I was in there. So we go back there, and we work back to... Uh, pretty close to where I killed that bird and we were just sitting there talking about like man I hope they start gobbling and I mean the we'd hardly gotten the breath out of our mouth and then one fired off right down probably 300 yards from us I'd say down the ridge uh-huh. yeah so he starts gobbling and it's kind of sparse uh, he's not gobbling a bunch maybe once every five or ten minutes and we're we're trying to locate this thing. So this is one problem that me and Jacob have had in the past few years because we're both relatively new to turkey hunting. I didn't grow up doing it, and uh, neither did Jacob. So we're both still kind of learning, uh, learning the hard way, I might say. 
So one thing that we've done in the past that really screwed us up is we'll hear a goblin, we'll just tear off after it. And then uh, I went hunting with my buddy Chad Granger one time, and he, when I was hunting with him, we had a bird burning it up on the roost, gobbling a bunch. And I was like, come on, man, let's go after it. Let's go get him. And he was like, no, let's just wait. Let's just wait him out. I don't want to go in there and booger him up. And so I was like, you know what? That's probably a good idea. So I'm trying to apply that more this year. And so we we just kind of stayed at the top of this hill and let this bird do his own thing to try and figure out exactly where he was to decide if we should go move in on him on the roost or if we should try and position ourselves to where we think he's going to go. And we ended up hearing five different birds, I think. And we wound up being a little afraid of moving in on this bird, which was the right decision after seeing the area he was roosted in. We were afraid that if we popped up over that hill and got in the same general area as him, he'd be able to see us because he's basically roosted on the spine of this ridge that runs down into a creek bottom with these big, tall pines, and that bottom is very open. He can see into it. So there's no doubt that he would have seen us if we tried to move in. So we move around. Do what? Go ahead. I was going to say, and just a little bit more about that area, where we were on that ridge top, like Andrew was saying, it's just these ginormous pines. I'm talking, you know, 120 foot tall pines, probably maybe taller than that. These ginormous pines, and like he was saying, it would have been so hard for us to get in there on the bird. First of all, because he was gobbling really lazily. Should I describe? Yeah. It didn't. It didn't sound like he was like you know had those freaking turbos on where he's just letting it roar. It just kind of sounded like a kind of a lazy kind of gobble, and you could tell, you know, he'd be gobbling towards us, then he'd like turn around the limb, gobble observation, turn back around. And he, I guess, you know, he's trying to, you know, get a hen to come into him, but he didn't sound very energetic. I mean, he probably gobbled maybe eight times, something like that, but they were really spread out probably over a good 30 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of definitely, in my mindset, was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be running in there because we really don't have a great idea where he's at just because of the timber. Plus, you know, these are like select cut pines. It's probably, uh, we're select cut probably you know, six years ago, you know, everything in between the pines is like small saplings, you know, that's probably 15, 10 or 15 foot tall, but it's bare open. So you're going to be walking through there. It's going to be loud. And plus he's going to be, you know, hundred foot up above you up on this ridge, like hundred foot up in a pine tree. And he's going to see forever and hear forever. So it would have been a very hard stalk to try to get in, you know, relatively close to him to be able to call that bird in. So I think we did make the right decision to kind of, you know, work around the edge and go around the opposite side of him and try to, you know, work down that bottom. Yeah. And I might add that that was kind of a hard lesson for me to learn is when they're up on that limb, they're they're turning around basically looking for a hen. They're trying to gobble in a hen, and they're turning around and they're looking for him. So unless you know right where he is and you can get in there while it's still pitch black dark, it's not a good idea to try and get really close to a bird unless there's something in between you and him. And in this case, there was nothing. He, he could see forever. I'm surprised he didn't see us where we were standing. Uh, so thankfully, we didn't mess him up. But we we made the decision to swing around and get in the bottom where I killed the bird earlier in the week because we figured that he would work his way over there because there's so much turkey sign in it. Uh, we get over there and start calling around a little bit. And long story short, the morning was very dead. There was not a whole lot going on. Wasn't even a lot of crows crowing. There wasn't any owls owling. <laughs> owling. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I think you're tired, dude. Jesus. Yeah, I'm sitting here. Yeah, we're recording this. I'm sitting in a Dollar Tree parking lot recording this. 
So, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, there's just not much going on. Songbirds weren't singing, didn't hear any hens, and pretty much by seven o'clock, the gobbles were completely finished. Probably before seven o'clock. So there was there's nothing going on. Uh, Jacob, why don't you go into what we wound up doing when we got back to that pond? Okay, well, before we get there, I'll, I'll kind of add this to it because. Again, I didn't hear it, but you thought you heard spitting on that first setup. And I there was definitely something. So our very first setup, guys, we kind of worked down the side of this ridge. Oh, yeah, I forgot go, about this. Go, yeah, and go down to this bottom. And we set up right on the side of this little draw. That This little draw goes off the main ridge, off the spine, down to the creek bottom. We set off that real big open hardwoods. You know, good cover on the ground to kind of like keep yourself hidden against giant trees. But, uh, you know, we're facing towards like this, these shorter pines you know probably about 10 year old pines you know thick nasty and anyways we're there you're doing some light call and everything the wind kind of picks up a little bit and we start calling a bit louder and Andrew you kind of you know well I should say we started hearing things I started hearing something walking across a little draw from us up along the ridge kind of along the edge of the pines is where it sounded like you know it is definitely you know that classic you know two foot walk it's not like a four footed or four legged animal uh, walking um uh, and Andrew, I guess you said you heard spitting uh, while you were up there. I, I couldn't hear it, but that's what you thought you heard, right? Yeah. So these short pines are we we kind of figured that they'd be in there just because our buddy Jared Smith, who is an absolute serial killer when it comes to turkeys, he's killed a bunch of turkeys and stuff just like that. And so we were walking past them, and we were like, "Man, I bet there's turkeys in there." And of course, we didn't go in there because you know that'd be a great place to kill a turkey. So why would we go in there? <laughs> so we work around it and our theory is that this bird that we're about to tell you about uh, we think that he was in those pines or on the edge of them and he heard us calling and he basically walked up to the to the spine of the ridge in front of us and was probably up there strutting I thought I heard spitting and drumming up there but I just couldn't see it through the vegetation uh, but I definitely heard something that definitely could have been spitting and drumming it's it's a really unique sound and you know it when you hear it uh, but I thought for sure after I heard that, that he was about to poke his head out or I would see something, but I didn't see anything. And we sat yeah. there for, man, 30, 40 minutes, something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, we sat there for a while. Nothing came of it, so we're like, well, let's just work up there and just work our way down the edge of these things. So we're calling into the pines on top of the hill on our right, and we're calling down into the hardwood bottom onto our left. We're working over these ridges nothing's going on it's get it's a slow slow morning and eventually it, it kind of gets around to be i'm guessing 8 uh-huh. and at this point we're pretty close to a big pond that's back there in the woods so i'm like well let's just go check out that pond because we heard two birds that were roosted together gobbling that morning and we're like well i think they were at that pond so let's just go check it out see see what it looks like in there so we go to the edge of this pond and it, it looks good, and we're trying to figure out what we're doing next. There's a lot of great trees in there for roosting, a lot of cypress that, you know, I could just picture a turkey in it. It's perfect trees to roost in for them. And a bunch of deer sign back there, too. But we're, we're sitting there, and we're trying to figure out what we should do, and eventually we decide, well, hey, let's work back down this bottom the way we came and kind of figure out a game plan for there because the turkeys obviously weren't in there where we were. So I'm like, at this point, it's pretty windy. So I'm like, you know, let's let's bust out the friction calls. And Jacob's got a, a Lynch uh, gobbler box, or I think that's what it's called. 
It's kind of got thicker walls and a really thin top, and it's really made to sound like a male turkey, I think. So we get that thing out and uh, yelp on it a few times, and then I think, Jacob, you told me to gobble on it. Yeah, so one of our buddies and a fellow listener of the podcast, Tyler Ross, uh, I was speaking with him earlier this season, uh, and he was telling me that one of his tactics for hunting a lot of his private lands uh, is on a day that the birds really aren't reacting, or if he has a bird that's kind of hung up and it's not coming all the way in, he will gobble at them, uh, you know, with you know a variety of different calls. And you know, some some of y'all might know, you know, you can gobble on a uh, box call, especially if it has a deeper pitch to it. And uh, this Lynch box I have definitely has that pitch. It makes for a really, you know, deep kind of like a just a loud raspy yelp on it but you can gobble on it it sounds it sounds actually really realistic uh i'm actually kind of impressed with it and anyways i told andrew you know we're next to this pond and you know let's give off a couple gobbles and I, I know some guys like you know it's kind of risky so we are hunting public land but i was thinking you know where we're hunting you know no one's gonna be able to sneak in on us because how open it is I'm, i wasn't too worried about that uh, plus also hunting a weekday again i'm not too worried about anyone coming in there we so, were way uh, back in there too we're pretty far off the road yeah, so again, you know, Andrew, I think you gobbled, I think we did three, four, maybe five times, uh, you know, kind of spaced out over, you know, a couple minutes. Yeah, we were and, just trying know, to make it sound realistic. Like, we would do like a yelp or two and then gobble a little bit after that. And we just kind of wanted to sound like a few turkeys over there just having a party, I guess. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, we did that for a little bit. And I was like, you know what, let's kind of just kind of ease back down this, uh, this creek bottom and you know hop over on the other side and maybe see what we can find over there and maybe go up the next ridge and you know we kind of we kind of start working through and it's kind of swampy and we cross this little part of the creek and I, i'm like trying to go through some kind of thick vegetation i don't know what it was and trying to get across it and all of a sudden you stopped me like dude there was a gobble and i'm like i did not hear crap dude but then again i'm trying to walk through all this stuff it's loud and uh, you're just standing there and you're like no dude i heard a gobble like literally back on a ridge like we just came from and Angel, i guess you can take it from there yeah so i heard that gobble and i was like man he sounded like he was just right over there with that draw this big draw leads into this pond that we were just standing on the bank of when we were gobbling and this is probably 15 minutes after we'd left but we were busy looking at deer and turkey tracks in the mud in a little swampy area down there so we didn't make we only made it probably 200 yards away in 15 minutes because we were just preoccupied with other stuff this turkey gobbles on the ridge top above that that little bowl that we were in next to the pond where that draw comes down to it. And so the first time he gobbles, Jacob didn't hear it. And then he gobbles again a few minutes later and he's down in the draw now. So I'm like, oh crap. You know, I, I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, is there two turkeys? What's going on? And eventually this bird makes it to pretty much exactly where we had been gobbling from. And he just starts hammering over and over and over again. And this is 9.30 in the morning. So he's alone. He's hammering. And this is where we start screwing up. Jacob. Now, again, with that being said, again, so Andrew, kind of going back to it, I'm trying to get through the stick vegetation. Andrew's like, there's a bird gobbles. I'm like, dude, this, I'm like, bull. Like, there, I didn't hear it. Like, there's no way. I'm like, you're full of it. Wish he's, like, no. he's like, no, I swear. I'm standing there. And we're like, okay, let's see. And we stand there. And all of a sudden, this bird hammers off again. And he's definitely... You can tell he's making a move, like, you know, he's on the move, gobbling. And I'm like, oh, crap, okay, let's do something. So we kind of hop across the creek, and uh, we get set up on this big oak tree. And he's just, like, he gets down there. You can tell he gets down there to that spot along the pond. He's just hammering. And I think we, uh, I don't know if we, 
I don't know if we made him double gobble, but he double gobbled, I want to say, on his own. And I swear another bird came into it. Uh, it sounded like a you know another kind of a, maybe a younger bird kind of came over the ridge and gobbled. And it was just crazy. I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, we literally, if we would have sat down where we gobbled from, we would have probably had you know one or two birds in our laps. Um, it, it, that just kind of blew me away that they were coming into us gobbling there. They just, you know, taking their time. But once they got in there, they were fired up and, you know, we're sitting underneath this big oak tree, water oak, probably, you know, roughly 200 yards from them. And we do some real soft yelps and purrs and, you know, they definitely reacted to us. And Andrew, you can take it from there. Yeah. So where we messed up is we, we got, we got panicked and we got in a hurry. So Jacob was thinking that this bird was on the other side of the pond from us. And I, I was thinking that, that he was right where we had just started from. But then I can't remember what went through my head, but we were sitting there and you thought he was farther away and I thought he was right where we thought he was. But then where we were sitting, we were both like, okay, I think we should just call from right here. I don't know if we should move on him. But then I got it in my head. I'm like, this is not a good spot to call from because it would have been easy for that turkey to go hang up at like 70 yards on the hillside because we're basically right in the middle of this big wide bottom. And it's not that open, but if he gets on that hillside, he can see down in there. And I've just had it happen to me a bunch of times where they'll get up on that ridge and they'll be gobbling and looking on that ridge and they can't see you and they're not going to come in there because they know where they heard that hen from. They're very good at pinpointing where they hear things. And if he knows that he heard it right there and there's no hen, he's he's just not going to come in nine times out of ten. Uh, so we got well, worried. Well, well, another thing real quick, just about that spot to kind of break it down for everybody. Where we are sitting is, you know, it's kind of a swampy creek bottom, and it is open around us, but there was like a line of thick cover that was only maybe 10, 15 yards wide that separated where those birds were and where we were. And that was probably out about 50 or 60 yards from us, off to our left, between us and the bird. And, again, that was one of those things that, like, if we would have sat there and called, uh, you know, that chance that those birds kind of, you know, bring them in, you know, through that thickness or that thicket, you know, might have been pretty high chance. But also what we kind of did, and Andrew, I kind of like you take over from here, is, you know, we decided that we kind of wanted to get up closer to them. Well, kind of what we kind of forgot about was once you got to that thick cover, it was wide open on the other side all the way to the pond. I mean, it was open for, you know, 200 yards. And that's kind of where we uh, we, we kind of dropped the ball on that. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we kind of panicked and we're like, uh, well, let's try and get a little bit closer. So, we tried to get up a little bit closer and basically what we were trying to do is close the gap between us and the the end of this thick stuff so if he wrapped around the edge of that thick stuff he he would be at like 25 to 30 yards but if he walked up on the side of that hill he'd be at like 50 yards so either way he's pretty much within range uh even if he did hang up on the side of that hill so if he came around wrapped around the edge then jacob could easily kill him and if he hung up at, you know, 50 or so yards, my gun will reach out and do that, no problem. So uh, we thought it would be a foolproof plan. Problem was, there was kind of a gap in the thick stuff, which we didn't realize till we went back over there and looked from his vantage point. But he saw one of us sneak through a little opening because there's a down log that we had to basically go around. And from where that bird was standing, he had a pretty, he had a gap that he could see that log through. So what I think happened is he was standing over there looking, and we'd gotten his attention with our soft calling, and we just made the mistake of slipping through a gap where he could see us, and he just turned around and left, which we didn't even, we never saw the bird, but he turned around and left, and 
A short time later, a Jake actually came in on top of that hill and tried to gobble, but he did a bad job at it. Oh, but, that was hilarious. I mean, we're sitting there, and Andrew was like, was that a deer? A deer <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was a deer blowing. That's how bad this Jake was at gobbling. But then he gobbled yeah. again, and I'm like, yeah, that was a turkey. <laughs> no, it was bad, man. That thing, he sounded sickly, dude. Yeah, it was, poor little fella. It was <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we we screwed that up, scared a couple turkeys, made them smarter, and we go work back into the area that they came from, and at this point, it's it's kind of turned into more of like a scouting trip because we haven't been into this area before. So we're just kind of poking around in there, and the turkey sign is just unreal. There's just I mean, the whole bottom, it's so scratched up, it almost looks like pigs came through there. Yep. Uh-huh. I mean, dude, it was it was crazy. So then we decide to take the road, another road that cuts through those short pines, we, we decide to take that road out, which this, we're talking about the short pines where we were on the edge of when we heard the spitting and drumming. Uh, and we walk up that road, and there's a little mud hole in it, and sure enough, there's big, giant turkey tracks right in the middle of that mud, that mud hole. So... What we think happened is it might have been that bird that we gobble, that was gobbling on the roost as soon as we got there. We think that he probably pitched down and went into those short pines and was hanging out in there until he heard us calling. And he came to the edge of those pines and was strutting around, but he, he didn't want to come out. And he probably eventually just lost interest, went back up into those pines and just hung out up there for a while. And then when we started gobbling... It probably got his attention, and he just probably slowly worked his way down those pines, down those ridge tops, working his way to us. And what I think happened is he probably got to that ridge top, looked down to where he heard the gobbles, and he didn't see a bird, so he started gobbling, trying to locate us. Because this, like I said, it was 15 minutes before he got there, so he's probably just trying to locate where these other birds went. And he eventually works down to right where we came from, and then we screwed it up. <laughs> and that was. That was pretty much the whole story for that day. I mean, that's pretty much where I hunt. Well, you know what? No, actually, we went out. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the second half of that day. Uh, So we leave that parcel. The cutoff time's at 1 o'clock, so you can't hunt after 1. So we leave that, and we go back home, and we're just going to hunt the home home parcel, which is like 10 minutes from my apartment. We're going to go hunt that for the rest of the day. Jacob, why don't you... Uh, why don't you get into what happened right after we got out of the truck at the new parcel? Uh, yeah, so we get to this new parcel and uh, pull over, park the truck, and Andrew's talking about last time he was here. Um, he was actually sitting there and actually had like a group of Jakes walk by his truck while he was sitting in the truck like at 30 yards. And we were just talking about that and kind of thought, you know, that's kind of funny, that situation. Well, we literally make it what like 60 yards from the truck is that and we're just kind of walking and kind of like looking along and again we're hunting uh you know pretty big open pine uh pine forest you know got some perfect hedge and everything kind of mixed into it but it's you know it's relatively open andrew just happens to look over to the left and sees a turkey and we kind of like you know drop down the trail kind of start glassing with the binos and turns out he's a jake and again you know me being uh, myself and not having to uh, or haven't harvested or haven't harvested a, a turkey yet. You know, I'm very optimistic and you know have no issue at all shooting a Jake for my first bird. Well, we we talk it over and try to figure out like what's our game plan because I mean he's only probably shoot like 60 yards from a 70 yards max. Off to our left, just kind of feeding. So we decided to drop back down the trail and kind of just call to him a little bit and see if anything would happen. Well, you know we call 
you know, back and forth a little bit, just, you know, some, you know, soft to, you know, middle tone, you know, yelps, nothing too loud and too crazy, you know, some purrs and uh, clucks. And, you know, nothing really happens after probably about, you know, 10 minutes of just kind of working it. And we kind of like stand back up and peek over the side. He, he's still over there, but now he's, you know, probably 75, 80 yards. He's kind of feeding. So we're like, you know what? And Andrew's like, you know what? We're just going to put some, uh, you know, squirrel hunting tactics on. We're going to, what he calls bushwhack him. Kind of, uh, <laughs> we're going to bushwhack. <laughs> yep. Yeah, try to sneak in close. And that's word for word what he said. So try to sneak in close and just be able to get a shot for me. Um, so we, we, we attempt to do that and made it about mm, 10 yards before he, he caught on and kind of slipped out of there. Yeah, see, but, uh, it, it would have worked, but we lost him. And we got cocky, and I basically poked my head around this tree, and he was standing, like, right there at, like, 55 yards, and he saw us, and that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah, and that's when Andrew was like, dude, you can shoot him with my gun, because he's shooting Apex 7.5s, uh, and she's a pretty nasty uh, grouping out to some serious range. He's like, just shoot my gun. I'm like, I really don't want to shoot one of your $12, $12 shells and possibly miss this bird. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so we we, we uh just we uh decided we were just gonna use my gun and anyway, it's gonna make it happen, but it, it was fun, you know. Anyways, we kinda worked down the bottom a little bit farther and you know, did a little call and nothing really happened and finally made it up to this uh this location where you had been, you know, scouting for deer this season, you know, found some great deer sound, but while we were in there we uh found, you know, a bunch of strut marks, uh, some droppings and some tracks just up and down this road on the backside of this property, which was uh, really interesting. Kind of found a cool place uh, that you kind of made a little natural blind that hopefully you'll be able to go kill a bird out of it. Yeah. Uh, there's a little, there's some scratchings on that road, and there's kind of a little straightaway right there. And in the sandy parts, there were strut marks. So I'm hoping that a bird's using that often. And I'm going in there if, if I can wake up, which I'm going to be getting to bed late tonight. But if I can possibly wake up in the morning... I'm going to go get in that little natural blind. It's basically a pine tree that's got brush growing all around it, and I've cut out a spot in the middle so I can just sit right in the middle of that, that green brush, and I'm just totally concealed. I could do jumping jacks in there, and he'd have a hard time seeing me. I'm just going to set up there and either just wait for him, or I might do a little light calling. I don't know yet. But hopefully I can get in there in the next few days and kill me a long beard. Now, another thing, guys, about Andrew, this dude's kind of crazy in the aspect <laughs> that he will jump in a brush pile without even looking for snakes or anything like that. He just really doesn't care. So I sit up against this giant pine tree, and I'm thinking he's going to sit next to me. Instead, he jumps in the freaking privet hedge slash brush pile behind the tree, literally crawling through it, trying to, like, oh, he's like, oh, this will make a perfect ground blind. And I'm like, dude, you're about to get bit by a freaking copperhead, and I'm going to get your butt to the ER. Like, that's going to make for a great hunt. And, uh, of course, some, nothing nothing happens, but, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, he did that a couple of times on that hunt where he just, you know, I'm just going to sit on a brush pile just on the edge of it. I'm like, okay, you're sitting with the Mr. No Shoulders going to come out. And funny thing is, on the way out hunting, on the drive out, we actually found a baby copperhead that was on the road and kind of uh, got out and checked it out and kind of moved it off the road. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, I don't know, I was kind of surprised. I was actually thinking you probably can get bit by something trying to get in those brush piles. Yeah, well, if you're going to get bit, <laughs> I don't know, man. If I'm going to get snake bit, I might as well get snake bit while I'm turkey hunting. Okay, yeah, you, you do that. 
You do that. Make for oh. a cool story afterwards. Copperheads hardly ever kill people. They're not that poisonous. Why? It's a cottonmouth you got to watch out for. Man, an eastern diamondback, if you find one, or a timber. timber, uh, timber yeah, if you get bit by a timber, you're you're down the toilet, both physically yeah, like, and financially. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, I've came across a couple big ones, dude. A couple big ones while they're young, so I'd rather not try to find another one, man. But, God, yeah, that's... That's the one thing. I, I'm sure some of y'all, some of the listeners out there, you know, y'all probably ran across some rattlesnakes and everything while hunting. And it always seems like, you know, I always run, find rattlesnakes like preseason. I never really see them during season, but it's always that week or two before season. I've always seen them out, and it's kind of gets you get your hair stamp on the back of your neck while you're walking through the woods. You like, you know, you're gonna sit down next to all these trees, and you definitely double check before you sit down to make sure you're not putting your hand on top of a freaking rattlesnake or copperhead. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that pretty much does it for our hunts over the last week and. Like I said, I'm getting out on the morning that this drops. So tomorrow morning, I'll hopefully be out in the turkey woods if I can wake up in time. Uh, and I'll be out there, hopefully kill a turkey. And then the next couple days, I'm actually going to be bringing buddies of mine, trying to get them their first bird or their first bird in a long time, or just their first public land bird. Uh, so it's going to be Maxwell's Guiding Service this week. I'm going to be helping a bunch of people out which i just love to be in the turkey woods man i'll just call them for them i don't i don't care i'll just i want to see one flop it doesn't matter if it's me pulling the trigger yeah i hear that and speak about it i actually had one more hunt uh, i actually went out hunting yesterday um wasn't able to go out in the more like early in the morning uh, get out there at daybreak just because i had some stuff to get done around the house uh, to get ready for uh, new york but um i was able to get out there you know mid-morning around you know 10 o'clock and i was hoping i could strike a bird up you know, mid-morning i hunted all the way to dark um you know found a ton of sign actually on the first two spots i went to uh ton of tracks good tracks droppings scratchings hunted both those areas for about an hour and a half a piece um but wasn't able to get any birds in uh definitely you could tell one of them was a big roost area where those birds were definitely you know roosting probably and uh you know working real early in the morning before moving out uh Second location, actually where you and me ran across that Jake uh, right along that power line last year that was hiding that brush pile. Uh, oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, wondering so where I, you were because I, I saw that on the, on the Instagram story. I was like, where's he at? Yeah, so actually I went back there, and, dude, there was a ton of sign there, man. A couple a couple sets of good-sized, you know, gobble tracks, you know, big, big gobble tracks. Uh, but I saw a – see, I saw – the only two birds I saw, I saw two hens. Actually, I went into another location, hiked in a pretty, pretty fair way, uh, had across a couple of creeks, but I uh, was walking down this road, and it's, again, it's a closed road, and like, you know, we talked in a couple other podcasts, these turkeys on these public lands love these old gravel roads and logger roads, absolutely love them. I mean, you know, turkeys are, you know, relatively small animals, and, you know, if they don't have to walk through super thick stuff, they will definitely take the path of least resistance. And I was walking down this logging road, and, of course, I was looking down, looking for tracks and droppings, and, you know, I was looking out for the occasional rattlesnake. And happened to look up, right when I was coming to this intersection, I look up up the hill, and oh, I just see a turkey standing down the side of the road, like, you know, <laughs> 150 yards. And I'm like, shoot. I'm like, I'm in the wide open, but the sun's kind of, you know, it's kind of late in the afternoon. sun's behind my back, you know, shining towards the turkey, and I'm like, crap. And it's just standing up there. It's just kind of bebopping around. And I'm like, man, this thing's about to bust. Like, there's like, there's nothing I can do. Like, there's no way for me to slip towards a tree line. I'm out in the open. Like, I'm kind of stuck here. But I just stand there. And it's, it turns out it was a hen. 
she kind of like starts looking around and she starts walking right towards me. I mean, walking right towards me. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And she literally makes it to about 80 yards. I mean, covered about 60 yards, walking right to me, dude, walk, looking at me. And I'm like, what is this bird doing, dude? And finally, I got to a point, I'm like, I need to like, like, I don't want to be just standing here because I'm looking like, you know, half a telephone pole or like, a, <laughs> like an eighth of a telephone pole. But, uh, I, again, I just, I kind of just kind of like squat down like super, super slow. And finally, like once I squat all the way down, I guess she sees like my, my, uh, I guess my outline a little bit better when I'm kind of like ball up and just like squatting there. And she kind of like, just kind of like looks at me, looks around and kind of like just walks in the woods but she literally made it to about 80 yards from me, just walking right at me, dude. I mean, looking at me the whole time. And I'm like, most of the time I've seen birds, you know, you walk out on the yards, these birds see from 200 yards, they just take off. But I think what happened was actually later that day, I circled back around when it was, you know, getting dust and was walking back. And where I was standing, where the sun was going down, the sun was in her eyes, and she probably couldn't see me, to be honest. Or she just saw like a, a basic little outline, couldn't really, you know, see me very well until I got real crouched down on the ground. But uh, I don't know, that was kind of interesting. It was a circle back around uh, and got up on this other road and uh, found a bunch of more tracks, strut sign, all that kind of stuff. And while I was up there, I saw another big hen working down on the bottom. I sat up and was calling a little bit. But, you know, turned out it was a bus. Wasn't able to get any birds coming in or anything or anything to respond. It was a quiet afternoon, even though we had a you know high-pressure day. It was a beautiful day. But uh, I'll tell you what, those people, I was – you know, within probably 700 yards of a uh, of a public shooting range. And those people were having a field day out there. So uh, it was kind of hard to call when you have, you know, guys out there with every weapon imaginable just going off. But uh, anyways, it, it made for a really good hunt. Uh, you know, to kind of cap off at least my Alabama season. You know, I had just enjoyed the outdoors. And uh, hopefully, you know, on my travels over the next couple of weeks, I might be able to hunt with a uh, – a buddy uh, slash listener in the state of Virginia and maybe one more state. But, uh, again, we'll see as, uh, you know, time to tell us. Yeah, man. Well, like I said, I'll be out all week. So you guys, all you listeners out there, be checking the Instagram story because I will be updating it throughout my hunts every day. So there'll be hunt updates. If I kill a bird, that'll be on there. If I think of some cool little tip that I know, it'll be on there like, I did, like I said, I did the video two or three weeks ago with the pelvic girdle where if you find like a deer skeleton in the woods, but you, you don't see the skull, you can find the pelvic girdle and tell if it was a buck or a doe. So if, it, if it's a buck, then you can start looking for the, the head somewhere. You know, you don't want to waste your time looking for like a doe skull unless you want a doe skull. But that was just kind of a cool tip. Um, put that out there and it was very well received. So... Look for more stuff like that in the near future and be checking on the Instagram story for stuff like that. Uh, that about does it for this week's episode, my man. Yeah, I was going to say, the only other thing I could say is, again, guys, we appreciate all y'all's uh, you know, comments on you know anything we're posting on social media. Also getting back with us with feedback from episodes and you know what you liked out of different episodes and this and that. And another thing, guys, you know, just continue to you know stay in touch with us over social media. If you don't already follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you know, definitely look up the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. 
and just give us a follow or a like on uh, both Instagram and Facebook. And also, guys, if you would, just leave us a review on iTunes uh, if you can. Uh, just tell us what you like about the podcast. Uh, and also, you know, if you have anything that maybe we should work on, you know, let us know that. But definitely give us a review and, uh, you know, rate us wherever you think. I mean, if you think, you know, we're a great podcast and you think we deserve a five, by all means, give us a five. You know, if we think that we are just total trash, give us a one or give us a zero. Just let us know. I mean, anything. But uh, definitely just give us a review, guys, on iTunes. And let us know again how you're liking the podcast and any other topics maybe you'd like us to cover in the near future. And I'll say I'm extremely excited for the rest of turkey season and what we have to offer. And also the next couple uh, next couple weeks, guys, uh, stay in touch with us because uh, we're looking to do another giveaway uh, coming up soon. So definitely uh, just stay following us, guys, and uh, you know hope y'all stay safe and uh, have some uh, success on the turkey woods. That's right, man. All right, y'all, and that's a wrap for this episode. I want to thank y'all for listening, but I got a little outro here going on. So, in the spirit of Easter, I just wanted to share a little Bible verse with you guys that, I don't know, maybe somebody needed to hear this or or whatever, but I felt compelled to do it. So, I'm going to share with you Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 6, and it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That, I read that this morning and it really stuck with me because it really encapsulates everything that, that God is really about. He, he came here and, and paid the ultimate sacrifice for us when we weren't, we weren't accepting, you know, before we wanted it, before we knew that we needed it. And, you know, that's just something to keep in mind as, as we go out over these next few weeks into turkey season and, you know, on into summer when we're fishing and then into the fall when we go back to deer hunting. It's just something to keep in mind when we're out there in his creation, you know. I don't know if somebody needed to hear that, but I felt compelled to say it. So, you know, let's not forget the reason for Easter. And I hope that everybody had a fantastic Easter. I know that I did with family and friends and I just had a great time and I really needed it. So now it's time to get back to a little bit of turkey hunting, but Always always remember to thank God for his creation. And, you know, at the end of every Growing Deer TV episode, Grant Wood says, take time and listen to what the Creator is saying to you. Take that to heart, man. That's a, that's a heck of a saying because he's always talking to us. You, you just got to listen. You'll be surprised at what you hear when you start listening. But y'all have a great turkey season, man. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear how do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.